This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. It's close season. The rules are out the window. This is a three times. It's not a three times. It's close season. It's a whenever we want audio and YouTube show. And we are on season review part two, which brings back to the podcast. Mikey Penty Smith. How are you, Mikey? I haven't talked to you for the last half an hour, have I? <laughs> no, no, no technical <laughs> problems at all. None. Um, None. No, none at all. Um, yeah, I'm feeling great. Very fresh. Can we uh, can, can we talk about your beard? You can talk about my beard. I love talking about mine. <laughs> <laughs> it looks... Um, we, we were having a discussion where I worked yesterday. Look, pathetic. Mine won't join up there. Um, you were just saying you get your, your beard trimmed in the barbershop. I do, yeah. And it actually costs the same amount as the hair. <laughs> so <laughs> My haircut is very expensive even though it looks very terrible today but how, how are you how are you generally yeah I'm, I'm good I'm good um happy about the Hearst appointment um looking forward to the World Cup as well oh you're you're off in a couple of couple of weeks after your after your yeah yeah uh, but day. I get to enjoy the first um couple of uh group games so I'm looking forward to that and the yeah that's usually the only part of a tournament tournament when England fans have any sort of excitement is before it Limbs. starts and then maybe yeah maybe the first couple I'll, I'll i'll be the guy who's watching and then i'll get into it and then by the time you know I, i'm like right i need to go and see this with other people everything will be sold out and there'll be nowhere to go but um not looking bad but you mentioned the hearst appointment are you are you the type of person who cares about kits because we've got two new kits um and in particularly um, or in particular, Magical Vegas have paid for the each hospice thing to go on the children's kits. Um, are, are we going to be over this moral high ground um, betting sponsor stuff? Uh, I think we might be. I, I do care about the kits, but I don't go out and buy them. Not anymore. Um, but yeah, I I don't like my, I don't like being sponsored by a betting company, but I think it's more how bad the logo is that's mm. bothering people. Um, 
but I never liked having Marcus Evans on the shirt particularly. Um, and that's why I stopped buying Ipswich shirts. But then again, um, yeah, great PR move from Magical Vegas with each. I think, yeah, great move, well-timed. I think it draws a line under it. Um, and yeah, the, the main thing is, is that the shirts are nice. Yeah, the, the away one looks good. Although, is Martin Waghorn in danger of doing the Vincent Company and just getting too ripped and then not being able to stay fit because he's carrying too much muscle fibre now? He is he's a big lad, but I think the, these uh, were filmed ages ago. Oh, were uh, they? Yeah, yeah. I I actually had a tip that uh, the away shirt was going to be orange, and that's that's how I knew that, yeah, they were filmed a while ago. It's weird with Waghorn because at the Birmingham game and then the Millwall game, I know the Millwall fans were just because he'd been there alone. He was getting you fat bastard chance, and he he lifted up his um shirt to reveal like a 24 pack or something. I think it's just because yeah. he's short and stocky, but yeah, I don't think you get fat footballers anymore. Um, we're recording on Friday morning, um, Mikey, but there's been more comments. Marcus Evans, he didn't talk for 100 years. Now he won't shut up, will he? So um, let me read you some quotes and you tell me um, what you think about these plans and the likelihood of what he says happening. So um, a key responsibility of Paul Hurst's will be to oversee our evolving strategy to develop a playing style as well as a fitness and mental attitude ethos throughout all aspects of the club and to work with Brian Klug and the club's coaches who will translate these goals as appropriate through all age groups. Right. Brian Klug has been there ages and established a certain way of playing with the younger players. Paul Hurst has been with Shrewsbury playing a bit more direct and functional. Surely this means that Hurst is going to be asked to do it the Klug way, yes? I I don't know. I, I mean... Under the previous manager, there was such a big difference between how the youth teams were playing and the first team. But you and I, I do like the idea of there being a club style, but it doesn't necessarily work because I think in academy football, everybody gets every club gets the young players to be good technically and to be good at passing it, and they play out from the back, play through the through the third. So if they do make it to the top of football they're like they're capable of playing it but yeah I don't know I it's a puzzling one really I don't know whether they will actually have one set playing style it might just be setting up to win games or something like that because I think Paul Hurst I think he's going to try and play a lot of counter-attacking football and that's not really something that you're going to get the under 14s to be doing that's oh Paul Hurst is doing counter-attacking football so yeah, let's just sit deep and <laughs> go go for it on the attack because it, the results aren't important at, at youth level, are they? So, and counter-attacking is about, well, most tactics at the top of football are about trying to get a result. And we're always told that that isn't the most important thing in youth football, it's player development. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know whether that's a Brian Klug idea or, or what. But, yeah, I mean, I like the like hearing from Evans again and... There's a there's a few positives that have come out of it as well. So, which is, yeah, the other point. Um, what was the other point? Yeah. Um, so I've got more. Um, Leo Neal will head up the department. Will soon be supported um, by a first team sports scientist and fitness coach, ensuring 
we transfer best practice into fitness and medical um, across all squads with a goal to significantly increase availability for minutes on the pitch for all players. Now, we're about to do games number um, sort of 13 or 14 through to 24 or 25. And this is going to become a feature. Um, obviously, there was widespread mockery of Andy Liddell's quotes in the ESPN um, piece of... Oh, the, play, the players who are over 25 don't really need a fitness coach. So just let them look after themselves. Um, what's your view on the sort of sports science thing? And um, uh, uh, were we just behind the times? Yeah, I, th- I think it's as simple as that. I think we're just joining the 21st century. Um, I, th- I feel like Andy Liddell was maybe guilty of playing things down a little bit. The importance of the little details like like the previous manager used to. Because um, I'm sure there was some efforts made in terms of sports science and the the stats and so on, but yeah, we just weren't in the 21st century. I can't believe that we didn't have a sports scientist. I thought there's clubs much lower down the leagues with much less money than us who have one. I, Sam I Allardyce just can't had believe one it. in 1998. I mean, exactly, and he's a dinosaur as well. <laughs> but yeah, and that and that's why I I don't subscribe to the idea of Paul Hurst just being a young Mick McCarthy. Because, yeah, there are similarities there, but he clearly he likes um, to set his sides up and good, honest pros, etc., etc. But he he is also looking to the future. He's finding ways to to improve. And when you don't have a big budget, that those sort of things can make all the difference. If we had everybody fit last year, we might have been we might have been closer to. Well, we would have been closer to the playoffs. We might have been really close because we weren't we weren't it wasn't like we were struggling down the bottom of the league all season for, for much of it. We were only, we were on the fringes of the playoffs. And if we hadn't have lo- lost the players that we lost, we could have been in there. In the words um, of big Sam marginal gains. Yes. Marginal Mar- gains. Exactly. Yeah. Marginal gains. Right. Um, let's get back into last season. So brilliant um, debut by Joe Fares on the podcast. We did the first 12 games. So we went up to home defeat, to Bristol City on the 30th of September. So we're starting today after the international break number two. We go to October the 14th. Ipswich are eighth in the league. They've played 10 and they've got 18 points. So an extremely good 1.8 uh, points per game. Um, by the way, you've been very good with the previous manager. We're going back in time. So I'm actually going to say his name today so we can we yeah. can lift the ban um so McCarthy has tried three different systems um and still seems very far away from settling on a squad and an 11 so we go it's october the 14th we're going to sheffield united away um back to 352 and a, a classic mick matchup with um chris wilder who'd scored 100 points with a 352 the previous season sheffield united a third in the league, um, and how many times do I say this? A very tight 1-0 defeat away from home. Um, Webster comes back from injury. Um, this first 11 looks good, Mikey. Um, Barton goal, Webster, Chambers, Knudsen, Kenlock, Iorfa, Nidham, Skews, Ward, Waghorn, McGoldrick. Garner is missing, but I love the balance of that um, midfield three. Basham gets the goal. The Blades are just kind of rewarded for actually being a little bit brave and pushing some people off off position as Mick Mills would say um 
Clark hits the bar, but Waghorn also hits the bar, and McGoldrick shoots wide. Um, lot of information there, but look at that midfield three. Nidham skews Ward, and it could have been a could have been a way to go. And you get this. Um, what the hell's the plan with these forwards? It's Waghorn and McGoldrick today because Garner's not there. Anyway, lots lots to talk about. What are your what are your thoughts on this narrow uh, defeat? Uh, well, the notes that I've written down, I, we had Iorfa and Ken Lock at, at wing back, and they are actually both at fault in their own way for the goals. And I thought that's that's quite typical of the the way that system was going, and that we were we were pretty solid, but it seemed that the wing backs didn't always know exactly where they needed to be. And Iorfa and Ken Lock both just seemed to be one good game followed by one bad game. Um, I gather that Ken Lock um, was much improved at the end of the season. I, I didn't go to the games at the end of the season, but whenever I've seen him, he may have had a good game the last time, but he's followed it up with a really iffy game. And I think that was probably down to knowing that under McCarthy, if he did have a slightly bad game, he was going to be out of the team. Um, but I, I like to say it has got good balance. I do like the 3-5-2 with the personnel that we've got because we obviously had wing backs and then we also have full backs Spence and Knudsen who are actually better in a three. Yeah, remember being... Berra would struggle when he had to, you know, go out to the wing, wouldn't he? Yeah, do do any do anything other than head the ball and block the ball. Um but yeah, I'm I'm not so sure on Ward Skews and Nidham in there. And that isn't just through hindsight. I just feel like that's quite a lightweight midfield okay. that Nidham still so young, so fresh-faced. I feel like in a three, he could probably do with, I don't know, either a more experienced or another physical midfielder alongside him. Because Ward, although he 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 does do some good things in when he's in that midfield three, he's just it's it's, it's very random. Like, you know, he you're just actually runs right. Around and he dribbles and. You're actually right, Mikey. It, it was Fleck, Lundstrom, and I can't think who the other one was. They had a very good midfield free. And the thing as well, that happened in the QPR game as well, where we it was Sko and Freeman and Luongo, where we just got completely um, overrun. So yeah, you may have a you may have a fair point. Um, let's go to um, the next game, which is yeah the heartbreak. It's just flashed up on my iPad. October the twenty first and the first local derby of the season. Um, there's been a lot on Twitter today about. Um, excuse me, sorry. A um, lot on Twitter today about the financial stuff from um, recent seasons and showing Norwich's wage bill, like the third highest in the league. So, first local derby. There've been the two draws the previous season. Uh, Norwich. At Portman Road with Daniel Fark. First time with Farker. First time we've seen him. Um, actually, ninth and 10th going into the game. Back to a back four. So, again, all over the place with the systems. Uh, Spence comes back at right back. Adiemi starts in a midfield three with Nidham and Skew. So, what you were saying about it being lightweight, yeah. you think uh, Adiemi yeah. would solve that. Um and the fatal mistake here, Garner, Waghorn and McGoldrick all start in a kind of 4-3-3 that leaves you very vulnerable down the um, sides of the pitch. Norwich bring in 
ex-keeper Brian Gunn's son Angus in goal, some new Germans, Derby specialists Wes Houlihan and Cameron Jerome, and we get our first glimpse of their new star player, Mr. James Madison. So what happened, Mikey? Well, I remember being... Uh, I, did, I did have a couple of drinks before the game, <laughs> um, first thing in the morning. Um, I remember... I sound like David Brent now, don't I? Yeah, he, <laughs> He, he drinks. How many drinks um, have I had this week then? Because <laughs> professional is, and that is... That is what I am. <laughs> I hope I got that right. He put me under pressure there. Um, <laughs> but I remember, th- I was really pleased that Adeyemi came into that midfield and Nidham also kept his place because I thought he'd he'd be fired up for it. I, I like that as a midfield three. I think there's good balance there. Um, not that we saw it. I don't think we saw it again. Um Ever. But yeah, and I did, I I did still like the idea of McGoldrick, Waghorn, and Garner playing because I I suppose I was falling into the same trap as McCarthy. I just saw them as well. We need Garner up there for his physical presence, and then Waghorn and McGoldrick are two of our best outfield players, if not the best attacking outfield players we've got. Joe Fairs mentioned this, Mikey. Sometimes sticking your best players all on the pitch doesn't 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 work sorry go ahead I know and that yeah and that was why I I wasn't a particularly good manager um at university um and so yeah um Selena didn't play I remember thinking that was quite negative um but yeah Ipswich came out and we did start fairly well and we were on top and Norwich looked fairly poor apart from on the left side Jordan Spence was getting absolutely rinsed um and it was actually Waghorn over there and Joe mentioned this as well and yeah but it wasn't just it wasn't just that Spence was he was he was one-on-one with the the wing Steeperman and Wiltshire yeah yeah but even when he was even when if it even when it was just Wiltshire he was getting he was getting done and he just looked mentally shot he did he just looked like he just didn't fancy it um but yeah we we almost scored with Knudsen and yeah, I, I was relatively pleased by the way that we played in the first half. But then, as is so often the case, we came out in the second half and um, conceded early. Uh, it was a good goal from um, Madison. Great, who does, great ball does by, like great switch player. by Houlihan. Oh, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> horrible, wasn't it? But, yeah, so then, then Norwich scored and they suddenly looked really assured and they were... They started to look like a really good team, and I was thinking, "Oh, here we go again. Norwich are much better than us." Um, but we still had the options on the bench to change it, and I say options. I really, I just mean option. Adeyemi came off um, for Flynn Downs. Quite that was the first change, I think, um, which made us more defensive and meant that we then had two rookie midfielders in the midfield up against the more wily Norwich midfielders plus Madison. Um, and it took 76 minutes for Selena to come on. Um, and to be fair, we, we've waited more than that for Selena to come on since then. Um, but yeah, and then he, he started to make a difference. But yeah, it was by then it was too late. Another thing uh, worth mentioning, the attendance that day, it was less than 25,000 for a derby. Like, do we not have 30,000 fans in the UK anymore? What do you think? Um, I think I agree with virtually everything you just said, other than 
and you'll be pleased to be wrong about this. Um, Norwich looked like they were going to be way better than us this season, but that turned out not to not to be the case. Bit of a false dawn for them. Um, I don't know about the attendance. I mean, Graham Blackburn on Naked Football is a big. He's very annoyed that these games are always on a Sunday and always yeah. at midday. And I mean, I like that they're on they're on Sky, but. It says it all about the the casual Ipswich fan. They're they're the ones you want to get back. The ones who are going to buy, I don't know, five, ten tickets per season. Um, you know, just come as and when they want. They're the ones you're going to have your hardcore of I don't know, fifteen, well, thirteen thousand. It proved last season, but yeah, you're right. And if they're but that, but to be fair, I'm a casual Ipswich fan, although. It, it doesn't feel like it because it, it, Ipswich Town, it feels such a big part of my life. But because of work and where I live, I don't get to get so many Ipswich home games. But when like I just I move heaven and earth to make sure that I can get to the Norwich game. And I, I don't understand why there's that many empty seats. Surely other Ipswich fans want to be there the time that we do finally beat Norwich. Because mm, it's, been, it's been the best part of a decade now. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's just... Maybe we just don't have that many fans anymore. I don't know. But... No, no, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I can't, I can't answer that one. But it's certainly a very interesting question. We'll see. Be interesting to see what that attendance is this season. When it, I don't, it's... I don't think it will be much different. Um, even when uh, we liked Mick McCarthy, uh, the the season when we uh, reached the playoffs, uh, the the first game, it wasn't, it wasn't a sellout, and then it was only just a sellout in the playoffs. Mm. the um, first so game was very very early wasn't it it, it was, was yeah and that is yeah when when's a good time for a derby do you think ne- never just don't <laughs> okay. can- cancel cancel them cancel them all boxing day there you yeah, go I, that fancy was do- out, I fancy it? doing them just for christmas at home um i feel like that would be the best time to play norwich next sure. season um but disappointing and i remember dave saying just when when that goal went in and i think you concur they 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 won as soon as that ball hit the net, didn't they? It was that the, they became very assured and we became very very scared. And I think as well, a lot of people said this is a this is a decent chance to to beat them, and it didn't happen. And you've foreshadowed a couple of very interesting things that are going to happen. So we go into the Burton game now. Um, so all that run of victories has now been replaced by a run of seven defeats in nine. If you include that Crystal Palace game in the uh, in the League Cup, we're down to 11th position. Injury crisis in defence is pretty much solved, um, but McCarthy really struggling to reconcile the fact that he's got these good forward players and how to fit them in, and he kind of struggling to leave any of them out, other than the crazy 4-4-2 efforts with you know Sears and McGoldrick on the wings uh, sorry Sears and Waghorn on the wings uh, virtually so he goes back to 4-2-3-1 at, at Burton all the forwards play so Garner's up front with Sears Waghorn and McGoldrick behind um Tom Adiemi has disappeared again as he um tends to do um it's nil-nil at half time Turner um scores I think from a set play to give Burton the lead Waghorn equalises and we go into the last 10 minutes with the Ipswich fans chanting for Selina to come on. On he comes, I think you mentioned it, 80, 80 minutes I think. Scores the winner and here's the wonderful quotes from Mick McCarthy. I don't give a shit by that, about that by the way. 
He didn't go on because of that. Let me just clear that up. In fact, there's more chance of him not going on when they start telling me what to do. And yes, I am a belligerent fuck. Let's clear that up. Yeah, and he's the manager that supposedly doesn't pay any attention to what the fans say. But then, if you're not making a sub... Because of what the fans say. Yeah. Oh, so um, Joe mentioned a turning point, the Bolton game, where the argument was, if the team are winning, the fans come back, you're up the top of the league and the attendance has dropped down. This... um, a few defeats and this seemed to be a bit of a shift in the the bickering between the the fans and Mick. I mean, what asinine ridiculous comments from what what I know we went through this at the time. Why is he even saying that? I don't know. I guess you you get fired up when people are having a go at you and then you have the adrenaline of winning in the last minute. And Mick's probably the sort of manager that always will be saying to the players, let's let's stick it to them, let's stick it to them. And yeah, I mean that came across in the in the post match, but it's just it's just a bit embarrassing. Mm. Especially as, as and Mick McCarthy is in some ways well, he he's more high profile than the Ipswich team in the championship. I'm not saying he's more high profile than the club. Well that he's was proven high- when he left, yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you. So these these quotes get picked up and then they get pointed at you as an Ipswich fan. And it is just like I sometimes I like I'd laugh. But then. But the thing is, Mikey, judging from what we saw with the way that he's able to play the media and you say these quotes get picked up, they don't get picked up. He puts them there. He knows that he knows when to switch into gruff Yorkshire Mick McCarthy character to get his column inches and the stupid thing is that in most other situations it's 1-1 in a game manager puts on a sub sub scores the winner the manager's a genius right yeah but this turns into this silly silly negative so but in in some ways that one felt like uh despite what he said it did feel like a bit of a victory for those away fans at Burton they were calling for it to happen and it seemed to reluctantly happen in the end and when Selena went on I bet if, if Mick could have chosen any player to score I think Selena would have been very very low down that list <laughs> who he wanted to score and yet Selena scored and then went absolutely mental and yeah it was it was a good moment because that 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 must have been terrible being in the away end at Burton and watching a struggle we're like that we only had two shots on target and they were the two goals. Is that so the then, case really? Oh yeah, my god. Yeah. Wow. Just um yeah. Well, a win is a win, but obviously slightly overshadowed by the um just uh, just the the balmy nature of a manager behaving in that way. And can I just say I've said all the time that both sides were a bit guilty, but what is more unreasonable here? Fans chanting for a substitution to be made or or the head of a multi-million pound, um, you know, business speaking like that. What's more unreasonable? That's And I'll, I'll park that and I'll leave that there. Off we go yeah. to Cardiff, Mikey. Um, October the 31st. So we're Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. And there's an international break coming up after the Saturday game. So 
Mick is going to completely prioritise the game after the Cardiff game. He's going to put all his eggs in the Preston uh, basket. So we show up at Cardiff. Um, they're third in the league. Um, and obviously Mick is thinking six points for, for the week is great, which it is. Two points per game is, you know, is you get promoted with that. Um, and he decides he's going to make six changes. So the system changes again, but he keeps the back four. Smith in for Webster. I offer him for Spence. Skews is going to sit in front of the back four on his own. Selena starts. And this is the point as well that um, he's now going to actually start Selena for about the next six games. So, you know, you do the math. Um, Brew, who we're told was leaving, he comes in for Nidham. Downs in for McGoldrick. Ward in for Waghorn and Garner up front on his own. Predictably, we lose 3-1 fairly tepidly. Um, Chambers and Smith really struggled against the direct... Um, you know, the, I know a lot of defenders, uh, Cardiff ultimately got promoted, struggle against um, those guys. But you'd think two tall, experienced centre-backs would be fine. Selina um, scores again. Skews had a cigar on. He was excellent just sitting in front of the... Um, in front of the back four. But most interestingly, Callum Connolly, who has been signed as a fullback, comes in and plays in centre midfield, comes on as a sub for Flynn Downs. So talk to me about the the rotation, the process, and then talk to me about putting a low-knee fullback ahead of Downs and Nidham in centre midfield. Well, it was it was typical Mick McCarthy, wasn't it? Um, even in the the way we set up, it was just to match Neil Warnock's team, um, which is a really optimistic way of setting up. Um, yeah, Kevin Brew coming in, so strange. And then yeah, Callum Connolly, a low knee being put in centre midfield. That's that's a, a real McCarthy move. But then it turned out that Colin Connolly. Does does also yeah, play centre midfield. That's but no it just comment wasn't, on it wasn't Connolly, is it? No. Um, but yeah, I, it was the centre back that we sold to Portsmouth. Um, was he uh, when we got Webster? Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Clark. Clark Clark came on at Millwall a few years ago and played left wing <laughs> when we were winning. <laughs> really strange. That must um, have been a defensive set play move, yeah. Yeah. So. In some ways, I I don't like it. I don't like so many players being I don't, is it is it rested, rotated? Because yeah, they played at Burton on the Saturday. Surely they'd want to play again on the Tuesday, and that's how you get rhythm. And yeah, Tommy Smith came in, hadn't played much football all season, and obviously struggled because Cardiff were a decent side. And yeah, maybe there was just too many changes like maybe like you're changing the formation and then you're bringing in a couple of players who hadn't played all season and then you're putting a low knee in in center midfield how how is that going to work against a decent side it's like you just pick the white flag up but this um, is a point that then, joe was making yeah. the other day mikey if you're going to put the white flag up put the white flag up leave waghorn at home leave do you know what i mean don't yeah don't even take them i mean um Obviously, ultimately, he we're going to see he um, he beats Preston. So, kind of, I remember at the end of this saying, "Well, look, he's he's vindicated. He's got six yeah. points from 
you know, from the week. If we'd have lost by one goal narrowly at Cardiff and then drawn against Preston, that's that's a worse um, a worse points return. But I don't know. Maybe it comes into this sports science argument that maybe there there'll be a a reason next season and it'll be done a little less, like you say, a little less haphazardly. I just remember, and I know this is Barcelona, but I'm I'm making the point. I remember listening. This must have been like 2010, where they had a plan for Iniesta for the whole season for him to peak in the last. Do you know what I mean? They it was planned out his entire training method and everything, and where when he was going to play and all his minutes and his running was all planned out. And I think you've hit the nail on the head that the resting was just very haphazard and not particularly well thought out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's just, it just seems to be random, just just completely random, just like our tactics going forward. It just seems to be completely off the cuff. Just uh, I mean, when I say going forward, I mean attacking, mm. not not moving to the future. Yeah, I mean maybe McGoldrick you could manage in that way, but then he's probably going to pick up a few injuries here and there. And then, but then Mikey, as soon as he plays well. You're going to be like, I can't leave him out. Yeah, Do you know exactly. what I mean. He'll yeah. he'll have a it, brilliant game, and it yeah. is a difficult one. And I suppose, um, in some ways, McCarthy played Garner and Waghorn quite well over the course of the season because there was never any point where they looked completely jaded or completely off the boil. There was obviously a spell where Garner didn't score for a while, and then there was a spell where Waghorn didn't score for a while, but they were always contributing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I suppose he played those two quite well, but just changing, changing up that midfield constantly. I think in all of the matches that we're going to do, there's there's not. I think there might be two games where we have the same midfield, and some of that was injuries, but yeah, just far too much chopping and changing. Well, let's add the context to this then, because um, obviously it was planned out to be a three-game, excuse me, a three-game block. However you know, it was executed. Um, November the 4th, Preston at home, Spence and Webster come back. So Connolly, having come on as a sub, now starts in a centre midfield too with Skew. So he, in 20 minutes, usurps Downs and Nydam basically for the rest of the... for the rest of the, And we know that Connolly was very good in centre midfield, but, um, you know, he took... I don't want to say he took the chance away from uh, a young Ipswich player, but he did. He took it for himself. And it's fine. It's sport, isn't it? You know, it's a competitive industry. Um, McGoldrick, Waghorn and Selina start behind Garner. So similar to the Sunderland uh, 5-2 thing. And to McCarthy's credit, the rotation works. Preston, with many injuries, go down 3-0. But the first half was absolutely unwatchable. It was one of those... um, McCarthy type games where it was just utterly dire and Waghorn puts a strange free kick in where the keeper's badly positioned um, McGoldrick and Selina kill it off um, are we forgiving the, the Cardiff rotation um, and just this pivotal moment where um, Conley and Skews now basically become the midfield two for the rest of the for the rest of the season um, people say short-termism from McCarthy um fair fair criticism um sorry two very long-winded questions do we forgive the rotation at Cardiff and 
Um, was it blatant short-termism to just go with Connolly now for the rest of the season? Okay, so the uh, the 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 rotation. Um, we had thirty-six percent percent possession against Preston, <laughs> so so we clearly were putting a shift in. Maybe that was the plan all along to let Preston have the ball with the. To be fair, players. I remember when we were three nil up. Preston had the ball for like last twenty minutes okay. and didn't. Yeah. It was that might be a bit. Of, I remember Ben Pearson looking like um, Juan Roman Raquelme for the last twenty minutes. Okay. He was just like, okay, you have the ball with three. Yeah, see that that's the problem with just looking just stats, back, yeah, you know, right, looking yeah. the stats. Um, but yeah, I suppose I suppose it can be forgiven. Although to win at Burton was very lucky. Um, so yeah. Six points out of three games, losing away at Cardiff. Yeah, I mean that's 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 not bad. Um, so yeah, I suppose because we're looking back at it and we we know what's been said by McCarthy, so it's it's kind of hard to um, just go with whatever whatever he did. I th- but I think in this case, yeah, the results, yeah, they they justify the decision. Putting Connolly in midfield. Um, I remember saying at the time that finished downs, by the way, Mikey, that was him done for the season. It did. Yeah. But he's very young and I don't feel like he was ever going to play loads. Okay. Um, I downs was a player that excited me at the start of the season. He, he's clearly a clever player, um, likes to tackle, but also good on the ball shows nice touches. But I saw him once again and he looked a little bit slow um, which is a bit of a worry when he's so young. Like that should be um, one of the advantages that he has over a more experienced midfielder is that he should be able to cover the ground a lot quicker. Um, I feel like if you combine the good parts of Downs' games, the good parts of Nidham's game, there'd be a really good midfielder in there. Um, but I feel that they were both they're both behind Connolly, and. I, I think Mick McCarthy's well within his rights to just to play the player that he thinks is better in that position. And and I think it turned out Connolly arguably was more consistent than what Nidham or Downs could be. Not necessarily better. Might turn out that one or maybe even both of them turn out to be, be- better midfielders than Connolly. But for this season alone, I think Connolly was the more... Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The more consistent choice, and that is what McCarthy, that's that's what he is. He's uh, over the course of the season manager. So he was he was just doing what he always does. Like you, you might not like it, but personally, I think he was probably doing the right thing. No, well, well, well put, well put. Um, but having said that, I would have liked to have seen um, Downs get more of a chance rather than playing Kevin Brew, for example, mm. when he played him. Okay. Um, so, despite our kind of slightly negative outlook, um, all these changes of selection, lots of defeats, it's just going to international break number three, two points off the playoffs, still due to those, you know, that big streak of wins at the beginning of the season. Um, eighth position and they've still got this fabled game in hand which they're definitely going to lose away at Derby Um, so 18th of November bit of a rest um, and you're going now into because of the game in hand you're going into a Saturday Wednesday Saturday Tuesday Saturday run of games so if ever there was a time for rotation clever rotation this would be it Um, and it's Leonid Slutsky's Hull who are 20th um, in the table and wild Claxon, unbelievable scenes an unchanged team um, from the Preston game um, so it looks like um, 16 um, games in maybe by some strange default he's worked out his system he's going to go with a 4-2-3-1 he's going to go with Connolly and Skews and like you say, just off the cuff, the, the front four every week and see what happens. McGoldrick gives Ipswich the lead. Bowen equalises. Dicko puts Hull 2-1 up five minutes into second half. McGoldrick misses a penalty in the 75th minute and Spence gets the equaliser. Um, given some of the football in the spring, um, <laughs> we've got two goals, fight back from a deficit, a Nudson assist, an unchanged team and a point on the board. Um we should probably be quite positive about this <laughs> this performance, but a missed penalty and not securing the win, Mikey. Um, what are your thoughts on on this one? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like just just going on the result, I feel like if the McGoldrick penalty went in, the Spence chance probably doesn't happen because you're not Mick would, have, Mick would have been happy with the point, um, and yeah, we'd have just we'd have just sat back, maybe even conceded a, another goal. And we um, haven't started doing that yet. That's the next game. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I suppose in some ways going to Hull, although they were struggling 2-2 at Hull after winning two in three, was it? It's not, it's not a bad result. And yeah, I mean, it was good to see um, us us play the, the same formation. But I think already by this point, if not before, we were already thinking, yeah, it's going to be mid-table for us this season. Mm. Um, the fact that we were fairly happy to pick up an away point at the team that twentieth, 20th. 20th, yeah, yeah. I mean that suggests, yeah, we we're a mid-table side. There's always and, that thing with these we, relegated we teams, like though, where you're like, oh, at any point they could, you know, they could start to 
their Premier League players could start to play well. So uh, I, I guess there's always that. Um, so we're going to Wednesday night, um, Sky TV again, um, and it's Sheffield Wednesday at home. Same personnel again. So whatever says about the I was reason- wrong. I was wrong then. I yeah. Was, now whatever yeah. Mick says about the reasoning, um, he did go with Selena after the Burton game. He started the next um, load of games. Um, so Leuven smashes McGoldrick after a couple of minutes, which is a more important moment than it. Um, yeah, quite. Yeah, a more important moment than it appeared at the time because McGoldrick plays on. He lasts until half time, but the sky cameras. Um, Reveal it to be a very bad tackle. Mikey, you were Paolo Di Canio in for people listening on audio. You thought that was a red card? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was shocking. And yeah, fair play to McGoldrick for, for playing on. Because I know that he gets a lot of stick for the amount of injuries that he has. And it seems to take him a long time to come back. Um, and and he, sometimes he looks like he doesn't care very much. But that's the second time in the last few seasons where he's had a serious injury and he's tried to play on. I know you, that's maybe not what you should do uh, if you're not offering as much as you should, but fair play to him. That must have been painful. And yeah, I yeah, don't he, know if, if, if he got sent off, it might have been a cagey game. I thought it turned out to be fairly entertaining, especially in the second half. He pulls down the um, the band on his shorts at the start of the... And the injury is literally um, above his waist. So the only defence you can give the ref... I mean, I I was getting like texts from people um, saying, oh, Leuven should have been sent off. And you know, you know when you're... The only defence I can give the ref is if he was just blindsided by it and didn't quite see where it, where it yeah, connected. I, I can't remember. I think it might have just been that it, it came so early. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. I think he possibly bottled it. Um, um. So, McGoldrick disappears um, and is going to go and have an operation. Uh, Garner gives Town the lead on 40A. Um, a very silly handball by Jordan Spence. Hooper puts the penalty in for 1-1. And on 67 minutes, Emir Hughes comes on. So, this is going to be my... My cry of the day that McGoldrick and Hughes miss each other by 20 minutes and all the what ifs and where's and why's and wherefore's there so Hughes comes on and literally three minutes later brilliant assist for Waghorn but and at, at this point all all is well with the world isn't it it is you, you know you find I know I know McGoldrick's got injured but at this point we don't know how serious it is no Emmy Hughes is back on the pitch playing a part in a goal and we're beating Sheffield Wednesday on Sky. Like we never win on Sky. No. Um, at this point, I, at this point, I'm believing again. <laughs> um, but a horrible theme that is going to punctuate the rest of our season occurs. And in the 93rd minute, Andre the Giant, as we call him on the podcast, Anti Nui, who hasn't scored for over 40 games, heads in a, a nice cross by Adam Reach. Um, go on then, Mikey. So yeah, sorry for interrupting you there. I just, no, 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 I no. just, <laughs> I just felt like it was a ni- it was a nice moment in an otherwise you've got, you've got to save them. season. <laughs> yeah, I I watched the game. Um, I wasn't I wasn't there. Um, I watched the game with a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and I remember he was surprised by how good we were because I'd been saying how poor it's been and there's no plan going forwards and we're 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 leaking more goals than we used to. 
Um, but yeah, we were well on top in that second half and we looked quite good. And yeah, and Hughes played the part in the goal. Um, we're still looking really dangerous from set pieces, which I mean, it's not the prettiest way to score a goal. But I, I remember under Burley, we'd get a corner and quite often we'd be, well, we never score from corners. Take um, it short, not get back yeah. to halfway, yeah. And it is quite nice chanting, come on you boos, thinking you might act, we might actually do something here. Um, but yeah, when uh, knew who or Andre the Giant was being uh, readied, my mate said to me, oh God, him, he, he was, I was like, he's enormous, isn't he? Like, is, is he, like, he must be pretty dangerous. He was like, oh, he's, he's massive, but he never wins anything in the air. And if he does, the ball just goes sideways. And at that point, I knew that he was going to score <laughs> that very moment. And then, yeah, he did. And yeah, that was a real sickener because it wasn't like we were nicking a win. Oh, and the we penalty actually, was we deserved just, it. Spence just oh, had a Spence. brain fart, didn't he? We did, they, yeah. He does that. They he scored does that too much. They scored a breakaway goal at the end. And I know a lot of people were hammering Garner and Sears for giving the ball away in the corner and then Connolly for not making a tactical foul. But a breakaway goal can can happen. But yeah. that's where... I feel you... like I, I can't ever um, criticise those decisions. Because although when, when I'm playing football... I love to time waste, so I would, I wouldn't be going forward. I'd just be finding a way to time waste. But when I'm watching Ipswich, I'm always desperate for them to go on and try and nick that goal because I feel like we can concede anyway, even if they do make the right decisions. And it was the same at Norwich later on in the season when Forest. we broke forward. And yeah, in hindsight, and Middlesbrough, yeah, we we could we should have done anything else. But I was still shouting, "Go on, go on, we can score here." Mm. Uh, maybe I just get completely carried away. It can always happen at the end. It can always happen. But you said you made a really good point um, when you said we didn't know the extent of McGoldrick's injury, um, so we weren't worried. But Hughes and McGoldrick just missing each other and not being fit at the same time, I think, is a real missed opportunity. Yeah, um, although um, it did mean that Hughes could play a bit further forward. He sort that, of moved into the... He went straight into the 10 position, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a 10 in the way the McGoldrick plays it. it was, no. It was a, he was a bit deeper, but but yeah, I'd, it would have been nice to see them play together because they were they did look quite good together at the end of last season, didn't they? Mm. Uh, the um, season before last. So, um, we're going to Villa away where McGoldrick and Hughes had their finest era. Um, out go Selena and McGoldrick, um, income Sears and Ward, and Town are overpowered by this expensive... Villa are in a good moment here. Adoma scores twice. Um, you you saw it before me, obviously, but the one thing I took away from that game was, my God, Waghorn's corners are good. Um, I uh, you, Obviously, you'd seen it before I did, but um, I started to think, wow, we could... Because we had one disallowed, um, and... He was—he really, really was putting in good ones. Then I was like, we—we we could score from any corner with this—with this guy um, taking it. He'd um, usurped Grant Ward as a corner taker. Um, bit of a lame surrender. Um, you know when you when you go to an away game as an Ipswich fan, and you, yeah, we're we're gonna lose, and Jordan Rhodes is gonna score. Um, one little sidebar: Ted Bishop plays the last 15 minutes. Um, but Mikey, two points from nine 
that week when we had the lead against Hull, the lead against Sheffield Wednesday should have been at least four, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think four would have been four would have been fair, and yeah, we'd have, we'd have been happy with that. We were the Aston Villa game was one where you, yeah, the writing's on the wall. I think two nil was the most likely outcome, a two nil defeat, because we set up for the draw. We go behind and then we try to get one back and then eventually get caught out. But one thing, I think that Sheffield Wednesday uh, goal from the corner, I think that was actually, because I watched it back, I think it was Selena that took it. Really? Um, I don't know why. I, I don't know whether, to begin with, Waghorn wasn't taking the outswinging corners. But at, again, at home to Norwich, his corners were abysmal. Really, really bad. And I remember a mate saying to me, "Did he? what did he think of Waghorn's corners? And they were really bad in the set pieces. So I'm getting ahead of myself here. But they were really bad away at Norwich as well. Yeah, Dave said exactly um, the same thing. But they're actually, although they, they look bad, they're not actually terrible. Because what he's doing, he's trying to whip it in so we can score a goal. So now and again, it will hit the first man if it's slightly too low. But we, that's Waghorn is perfectly capable of just chipping a ball into the box 10 times out of 10. And we'd never score from it because it'd be impossible to get a run and get power on the header. So what Waghorn's doing, he's smashing these corners in. And when it does get over the first man, we've got a chance of scoring. So, yeah, it was the theme of our corners this season. They hit the first man or the or we score or head it over or hit the bar or whatever. So, yeah, we were definitely much improved with set pieces last season. That certainly can't be denied. I'm not going to comment on that because Dave and I had an interesting argument um, about the very same thing. And I think you've just affirmed my view and it would be very unfair for me to bury him while he's, <laughs> while he's not here. But I, I totally agree that, yeah, anyone can just float a ball into the box and you're never going to score from it. And this was what I was arguing the whole time, even in the Norwich away game. You're like, look, he's aiming for sort of seven feet off the ground into the near post area pointing towards the goal at great speed it's like if you do beat that beat that first guy you you ain't you ain't defending that but interesting point you made is that selena didn't play the villa game so maybe waghorn even ended up on corners just by by default yeah he was always on the in swingers but that might have moved him onto out swingers as well yeah um so off we go to derby to lose our game in hand and even up um everything so it's 28th of november um we always win one nil away at derby so this run couldn't possibly possibly continue um but strangely we win one nil um and we go within three points of the playoffs in ninth place um garner is not around so this is an interesting lineup which i very much like um so four two three one waghorn plays up front on his own and I'm there at the start of the game thinking oh this isn't going to work out so well you know Waghorn's you know Garner's so good in the air and you know such a just a bastard to play against um Waghorn's not going to be like that um but behind him we have Selena on the left Ward on the right and Hughes um in behind so the style was actually uh, forget the type of performance that transpired but the potential to play football of that four is very different than the fullbacks booting the ball up to Garner and, you know, hoping that one of them falls down to McGoldrick at some point. Um, so 
I hate I hate goals where the ball doesn't hit the net. I'm I'm not going to cheer a goal where the, so Connolly heads it and I think someone I don't know the keeper scoops it out. I don't, I don't remember totally. All I remember is uh, the goal, the ref pointing to the to the buzzer on his on his watch. Um, it was a bit of a shit house, I must admit, because Derby um, Derby did kind of dominate, but I I'm going to be very wise after the event. Um, you could see the flaws in why Derby were not going to get promoted in that game. You're like. Where's the speed? Where's the quick passing? Where's the variation here? If you, um, I, I know they outplayed us in the in the return game, but Mikey, you mentioned it. Hughes, in I know he's not a number. I know he's not a deep line forward number ten, but in terms of an advanced uh, playmaker, um, Hughes in, yeah. and we get the win. Yeah, per- perfect. I mean, it was. It was a good lineup. I think you look at it, it had good balance, and that was maybe partly because Garner wasn't playing. Um, <laughs> I love Garner, but that I totally agree. Fault. Yeah. yeah. Um, you could have even taken Waghorn out and had Garner playing, or that uh, the style would then be different, but it forced uh, McCarthy's hand. He couldn't um, put all of his best attacking players in because they weren't available, and we ended up with a winger out wide in Selena, albeit a, and a very attacking winger. And then an attacking, well, a midfielder in attacking midfield rather than a striker dropping deeper. Um, so I think that works well. And we didn't have Sears playing on the wing, did we? No, no. No, I mean, that's 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 another thing for me. I Quite often when um, we did take a McGoldrick or a Waghorn or a Garner out, Sears would invariably be out there on the wing. It's a very and interesting he's, point he's not you one made. thing or the other. It's a very interesting point you make about the difference in... And this will link back to Paul Hurst because Paul Hurst plays midfielders in a 4-2-3-1. I, I love what you just said about when a forward's doing that, they're coming back from their natural game. Whereas when a midfielder is doing that, they're coming forward from their from their natural game. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I I, I made my point and yeah, I complete. Well, obviously, I agree with what you just said because I just said it before. But, yeah, no, quite. Um, but yeah, I, let's yeah let's forget that performance because that was very much a, a mi- well I suppose it's like the the good dark side of Mick McCarthy and that he can do that and we kept doing it to Derby like the ability to win games when you I don't know did we have more than one shot I don't know if we did um, um, it was a waghorn in swinging corner again interestingly yeah, after yeah. this conversation um i think the, we had the ability a to to win games against superior opposition by one goal away Koch. from home <laughs> yeah i mean Mick mccarthy was the king of that and fair play but but yeah looking looking to the future um i'd i'd love to see emma hughes in that that formation playing in that position um we just need to get him back fit and maybe even andre dizel <laughs> oh Yes, please. I, I, I sometimes think about a midfield three of Skews, Dazelle and Hughes. I, I wonder whether that would work, but that would be in a 4-3-2-1. I don't know if we'll be going back to that. Let's discuss um, that. We'll discuss that at the end of this, but yeah, I okay. see where you're going with that. Um, but yeah, you do the math. Hughes starts, Ipswich win. Um, and we go to the Forest game, 2nd of December. Hughes starts again, Ipswich win again. Um, Forrest is struggling to adjust to um, the Mark Warburton style which um, 
obviously takes longer than the four months or whatever that they gave him as manager. Ipswich banging four goals in a great win. Um, Chambers is missing. Spence uh, covers him. I offer starts. The front sticks stay the same. Um, so that good football in three. Ward Hughes and Selena off Waghorn. Conley scores again. Um, Dowell equalises with a free kick. Knudsen, fullback to fullback goal here. Knudsen assists for Iorfa. Um, it's 2 2 at half time. Walker scores. Um, Waghorn and Selena put Burrow away with um, kind of good press in second half. And at this point, I'm optimistic. Um, Hughes is back in the team. Ipswich win even without Garner and Chambers. Waghorn leading the line, as you pointed out, makes a slightly different pass. You know, you're more likely to pass it into Hughes or Selena than just boot it up to Waghorn on his own. And Selena and Ward contributing well. What are your what are your thoughts, Mikey? Yeah, it was that. I mean, that was a, a rare entertaining game and yeah Callum Connolly scored again he at, at this point he's becoming uh, a goal scoring midfielder like I, I was that his was the derby game his first goal yeah um, oh okay I, so he he scored two in two um, but he was starting to break into the box which is something that we needed and maybe a criticism of having Connolly playing midfield with skews is that we didn't didn't like that they're both quite negative so they're I thought they'd be two centre midfielders that never score. And you don't really want more than one that never scores. Um, and yeah, Hughes, Hughes playing in there as well. But I did, I, I've written here on my notes, optimism question mark, because I wasn't sure. I still wasn't sure. That it That was an entertaining game, but maybe a bit of a one-off. Would McCarthy have walked away from that game being as satisfied as he was after the Derby game? I don't, I don't know because yeah, I mean, it was, it was more free flowing and, uh, easier to watch, but I don't know whether he he maybe felt that we were missing somebody up front to hold the ball up. Um, scored four goals. We did score four goals, yeah. Um, which McCarthy would have hated. <laughs> I mean, a one one nil is that's that's, that's the op- that's the optimum, yeah. isn't it? Clean clean sheet, yeah. yeah, clean sheet and three points. Ninth um, of December, off we go to Middlesbrough in seventh place. Two defeats in eight. Two wins on the trot. 4-2-3-1 system settled. Hughes integrated into team. Selena starts every game. Chambers comes back. Garner is on the bench coming back from injury. Um, off we go to Borough. Did you think we were going to win this one? Um, no. But looking back at it, um, in the context of the season, with obviously 2020 hindsight, Maybe not for this game, but the rest of the season. You know, this is a hard away game against the next yep. Premier League team. But disaster of all disasters. Just before half-time, Emir Hughes does his hip. And that's him done for the season. Now, am I going narrative crazy here, trying to hype everything up? Is that the moment there where the season ends? Um, as much as I like Hughes... Um, I feel like it may have been coincidental okay. in some ways that he got injured and then we were never quite the same because we do seem to go on these little runs where it looks good and it might you might be looking at one player and thinking, oh, they're, they're the reason why we're doing well. Um, 
but then Hughes didn't stick around long enough for us to see the flaws in that lineup. Um, but I mean, I'd like to think that that's the reason why it, that was the end of our like mini revival because yeah, that would suggest that um, with Hughes in the team, we are, we are decent, but yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure because I mean, we, we didn't look like winning it or even getting a draw at Middlesbrough when Hughes was playing, did we? Um, I think it was, that, I think it was nil nil before he did his, I, oh, okay. I okay. think possibly I could be wrong about this, but I think he injured himself and they gave him till half time. We played the last couple of minutes with. I could be wrong about that. He might have injured himself after the goal. Someone I wasn't at that game, so someone um, who was there will will yeah. smart me smart me up on that. But maybe I'm just being a bit wary of the fact that we're praising Emily Hughes so much, and uh, um, like I'm a, I'm a big fan, and I know that you are too. I hmm. but yeah. Is he is he definitely going to be the same player again when he comes back? Is it is he going to be another, dare I say it, Teddy Bishop? Where well, it's just one injury after the next. We'll discuss it when we get to the end of this thing. But Sorry, I keep uh, jumping ahead. Just no, I don't no, really no, talk no, no. About the games. <laughs> Take Hughes out of the equation. I think the bigger point of injuries and whatnot. I've I've got something planned to ask you at the end. So we'll go on to that. So yeah, Braithwaite, Braithwaite and Bamford score. Ipswich dropped to nine, five points off the playoffs. So we mentioned um, McGoldrick and Hughes passing in the night. Now Hughes and Garner are going to pass in the night because Garner's back, but Hughes is now gone. Um, he comes on at half time. So it looks like McCarthy needs to find a solution and the solution is fairly simple. He drops Waghorn into the number 10 spot. Um, and puts Garner up front. And in very similar um, process as the Forest game against sort of a possession team, which was just pick Redding off, score from uh, two set plays, actually. I think a parried free kick and another Waghorn corner that Webster flicked on and uh, Garner put in. But obviously now Garner's back. Another key player needs to get injured. So Skews goes in for a hefty one at half-time. And now he's going to miss some of the games over the Christmas period. Um, so it just seems to... Well, you can see where I'm going with this. Um, form-wise, though, this is actually very good because it's three wins in four. Um, and since the Preston game, um, Ipswich are scoring well, really. Um, 22 played, 35 points, two points off the playoff, three wins in four, like I said. Um it's almost like he actually did do a, an all right job just to keep keep the plates spinning the whole time. What do well, you think? Yeah, I mean that that's the thing when um, when McCarthy uh, announced that he was leaving and the "be careful what you wish for"s were coming in, and the question would always be, "Oh, you're you're about where you should be," and that and that is because yeah, Mick McCarthy results-wise, he was doing quite a good job but apart from one or two exceptions the football was still dire during this run largely anyway in my opinion I mean you can correct me on that but I just a lot of the I mean the Reading game is an exception actually because we we scored in the first half but so many of them and the the Forest game before it actually (laughs) looking back yeah I suppose that was three games in a row where we were scoring the first half but 
maybe it was... Um, I think the Sheffield Wednesday game, I think you pointed out the second half of the Sheffield Wednesday game, I think the football was good. But yeah. I do take your point that Reading and Forest both basically came and just played right into McCarthy's hands. Yeah, they did. And I mean, we... Yeah, we, we deserved to win that game against Reading and we, we were starting to look a bit more solid at the back as well. Um, but yeah, like you say, we were just picking up so many injuries and it was going to be hard to sustain this run um, because it's it's not like we were absolutely firing. We were picking up wins um, and then the team was becoming more and more patched up and it became harder to pick up the wins. It wasn't like we were playing teams off the park and we had a star that you could bring players in and they could do the same thing. It, it just, it, it, it wasn't going that way. And where, where were we by this stage? We were still close to the playoffs, weren't we? Um, do I have the league position? Put you on 20, the spot there. I think we yeah, were about 22 eight. played 35 points, two off the playoffs. I think we were eighth. Yeah. Either seven, yeah. four, eighth, but the, 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 the positions immaterial. We were, we were two points off the, off the playoffs. So you're essentially, you know, you're, you're a game away from, from being in the being in a playoff spot um but there's just too many games for me where you just you just know exactly what's going to happen what villa away and borough um, away particularly yeah i mean they're the main two examples and i'm not i'm not saying that underhurst will be going to the riverside and villa park and, and well, we might go to villa park and win after the news this week but <laughs> yeah maybe maybe but i'm not saying that we'll go there and go all out for the wins but it just it after a few seasons it became far too predictable what we were going to do set up for the draw, be one nil down and then try and ride it out for a while and then and then try and nick something at the end and would bring on we always seem to bring on Sears on about seventy six minutes and then sometimes it'd be Selena that's coming on too late. And Sears was never the answer coming off the bench and yet we he still kept getting thrown on there. Um I'm not a big Freddie Sears fan, but he did show towards the end of the season that if he plays from the start and he plays in a more central role he is more dangerous but bringing him on to just chase things and he he hasn't got the best delivery um and that decision it just it just kept being made and it just it became infuriating even though we weren't we were well placed and we were possibly overachieving in terms of league position and points but still it wasn't it was already shaping up to be a a dull season so, looking back at those 12 games, um, I take your point not to overplay the the Hughes thing. Um, what really strikes me is that he was trying to... So, he's trying to find a system that's that's going to work. And bear in mind, you've already taken Andre Dezel out in the very first game. Um, there, there just seems to be a big part of just completely making this up as McCarthy was going along. Um, and just reacting to whatever was happening. For example, we, you and I were both kind of in agreement that when you got to that 4-2-3-1, the back, the back four was, was fine. Um, whether we have wing backs or not, um, who, who knows. But the back, the back four was, was, was fine. Connolly had played his way in there. And if maybe if Addy Amy wasn't injured, it would have been Addy Amy. And you started to have some good results with without Garner in the team uh, with Waghorn up front and Hughes and Selena and Ward. And then you look at it and you think, okay, so there's no McGoldrick. Then there's no Sears. There's no uh, Garner. There's no Dazelle. 
in the first eleven, and then you think, okay, so how would how would they go in? And it it makes you think that maybe the plan the whole way along was to to play four four two, but then you think who was going to play? Was it going to be Warden, Selena? In it, it strikes me that I can't for the life of me fathom what system that squad was was designed to play. Yeah, I I feel like it was just off the cuff. Some good Sometimes, players signed. Yeah, bringing some good players, which we did, and we always seem mm. to bring in a really good loan player, and we we brought in well two two and a half essentially, um, or was it was it more? So Connolly I, and I uh, offer Selena. Connolly. Uh, I offer. I'm not I'm not counting. I offer. Um, and then later on Carter Vickers, but yeah. The, like I put the formations and all of the notes and yeah, there was a bit of continuity with the 4-2-3-1. But then now and again, we'd set up to try and stop the opposition um, with our shape. Uh, we always set up to stop the opposition, of course. But yeah, just chopping and changing the shape and the personnel all of the time. There was no continuity, especially midfield. And like Ward was just... I think he sums it up. He was in and out of the team and playing so many different positions. How was he? How was he going to gain some consistency? This well, he season said as gain much. Some continuity with the players alongside him because I think that's important in in midfield, especially to have continuity. And I know we harp back to, well, I harp back to the George Burley days, but we had um, Magilton, Matt Holland, and Jermaine Wright as our three centre midfielders and they all knew their job and you still see them joking on Twitter that Magilton used to say to Holland uh, let the runners run and let the players play and that they knew their jobs they knew each other's games and Matt Holland was happy to run around tackling and playing it simple whereas Magilton was trying to pull the strings there's there's no partnerships in um, in the Ipswich team anymore not really not not that I can see can you can you think of any partnerships or areas in the pitch where um well Skews players... and Skews and Connolly um became became one in the central midfield yeah. um there's not one up front um I guess Webster and Chambers is starting to starting to maybe I become I, I, one. I, I still think that's a slightly flawed centre-back pairing um but yeah it's probably it's the best option that we have but I think I'd I'd like to see a more a, a bigger physical presence alongside Webster than Chambers. Um, Chambers is great at uh, blocking and tackling, and he's a he's a leader. And we definitely miss those qualities if he was out of the team. But Webster is more of an elegant centre back, and yeah, maybe needs somebody alongside him that will do all of all of the dirty work. Mm. Um, obviously, as a defender, you, you have to you have to do all of that as well. But um, I feel like Chambers is. I I, I see them as similar centre backs. They're both centre backs that would go well alongside a Christoph Berra. Right. I'm not 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 the hugest fan of his, but maybe don't go so well together. Okay, that's interesting. Interesting. What what will be very interesting is how Paul Hurst deals with with this business, especially with Waghorn and Garner, because the truth is. If he is going to play four-two-three-one, and there's not, we're not saying he's going to, um, but if we, you know, base it on the way Shrewsbury played, then it's four-two-three-one. Essentially, 
possibly Ghana looks a bit under under threat really doesn't he because if you do have Hughes and Dazel available I totally agree with your assessment that you're better off playing midfielders especially people like Grant Ward who's I'm a big fan of in away games he's brilliant at stretching the game you know um down the right and you look at it okay so McGoldrick has gone um Falami's kind of you know stepped up a bit Sears might be retained you've got two forwards and um not very many teams anymore play two forwards um and I do just worry that you, often players versatility you know you saw it with Rooney for years and years the some of the best players who were versatile had their careers a little bit you know just because you get moved around you just worry about Waghorn ending up off the front or or what have you but um what, what's yeah. your view yeah I mean it it is interesting it, it, I'm not I'm not sure that Garner and Waghorn will play together because I think there needs like neither of them running behind um and yeah I would lean towards Waghorn playing because of what he brings to the team in terms of set pieces but if Waghorn is to be our main focal point we will need um a lot more pace down the wings well mm. I say a lot more pace Ward is relatively quick I'm not sure whether he'd be my I'm not sure I whether I'd want him to be starting next season on right wing but we've lost the pace in Selena. I think we're lacking a lot of pace now in in our team so that's something that Hurst is going to have to address but yeah I'd like see I, I like Garner as well but I, I feel like over the course of a season he will even if he's not first choice he will still end up playing a lot There'll be games where we need somebody um, up front who can battle the centre-backs and hold the ball up. I don't think we need to get too bogged down with worrying about um, who's the first choice because, as we've seen over the course of the season, like as long as you're fit and you're not <laughs> Kevin Brew, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get a chance, aren't you? It'd be very, very, very... Um... Well, having said that, I thought Kevin Brew maybe had more chances than uh, than he deserved over the course of his Ipswich career, but that's that's just me. Hmm. So that's part two of the season done. Um, you think that one was depressing? Wait for the next one. I think it's gonna um, it's gonna deteriorate even more. But um, thank you very much for um, listening, Mikey. Where's your Twitter? Uh, it's at Mikey underscore Smith thirteen. At Mike underscore Smith 13. Obviously, follow the podcast at Blue Monday ITFC. Follow me at Benjamin Bloom and click subscribe and thumbs up and comment and stuff on YouTube. Um, let us know what you think of what we've said. Other opinions are available. Just make sure you're polite about it on the internet. Hey, um, we're gonna be back. I think you're doing the next one as well, Mikey. We'll see. We'll see if um, Joe's about for that one as well. And David Diamond is going to be here for the grand finale and uh, as i said the departure of queen cersei um which i'm sure is all fresh in the memory anyway but um yes mikey do you want to do your normal sign off that never fails to make me laugh i was hoping you were going to sing us off then am i, I well I, I enjoyed um i enjoyed the paul hurst uh, never doing, video never doing that again do you know how much I, abuse I, think, I got yeah, for but doing the abuse, that the abuse that you were getting I'm talking about from Ipswich fans was largely from um, the what I call the um, the concourse ultras. <laughs> <laughs> they 
that they think that um, writing a, a funny little song and singing it is tragic, but filming each other, chucking beer on each other and <laughs> ripping lights down is great. That's great banter, apparently. Um, Witty yeah. banter. I think I managed to get abuse from most of the 92 clubs. I think a lot of them were represented uh, in, the, in the in the Twitter. So um, I will I let will the not... haters motivate. I, I'm just gonna collect the views. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's <laughs> that's my view. But yeah, okay. it is it is what it is. I just I just retweeted all of it. I just thought it was funny funny in the end. But I must admit, if you're gonna if you're gonna insult, you've got to do better than tin pot because tin pot ironically is. Tin pot is a word to describe something that's rubbish and shit and is ironically a very rubbish and shit word in the process. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Come at me. Come yeah. at me. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, I'm not seeing this off, so you, 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 you get, say it. Go on. Okay. Be careful what you wish for. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there, offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.